Mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. When Moses came down from the mountain with the two tablets in his hand, his face shone with just a little, a glimpse of the glory of God that came from the speaking of God to him, giving him all that the Lord had commanded for the people to do. Just a little glimpse of the glory of God was reflected in the face of Moses, and yet it was enough to scare the people so that they would not look at Moses. This isn't at all surprising. I don't have to have any glory on my face to watch people turn their head from me or even disciplining my children. Whenever it is that way, Whenever somebody hears the words of the law or are rebuked, it is very hard to keep eye contact with the one who is rebuking you. It's because we're afraid. We know that what we have done is wrong. I remember it quite well as a child myself. Whenever my parents came to correct me, the last thing I wanted to do was look them in the eye. They didn't even shine with the glory of God, but I knew what was coming. And it was enough to make me afraid. They were the rulers at the time. The ones that God had given for authority over me and their word was truth. And when they corrected me, I had to accept it. When Moses came, he was not speaking his own word. He was speaking the visions of God, the prophecies of God for the people to listen to. He was the light shining in a dark place. Because left to their own imaginations, their own will, they would have certainly gone down the path which leads to death. For even coming out of the Exodus, what is the first thing that they do? But they try to create a visible and tangible God in the golden calf. And even though they had seen the glory of God in the pillar of fire that separated Pharaoh's army from them, even though they had seen him in the cloud that hovered over the mountain with great lightning, with thunderous roars, it was still not enough. They wanted more. They wanted what they would make for themselves. But the Lord The Lord shone in that dark place with his own word, the commandments, so that the people would receive the right teachings. That they would hear the word of the Lord and heed it. Because we can hear things and yet then not do what they have have commanded. But the Lord's desire was that they would hear and heed. It does not change. Moses was a true speaker of the law of God. He was the bringer of that word. And even there was glory in that law. But after Moses came the prophets. And the prophets also spoke the word of God in the midst of dark places. Elijah was also seen there on the Mount of Transfiguration speaking with our Lord. Elijah, the one who was in the midst of many false prophets throughout his day. He came speaking the true oracles of God. 
No prophecy that was spoken was from the will of man, but men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophecies. There are true prophets and there are false prophets. Elijah represents all of the prophets of the Old Testament who spoke faithfully the word of God as it was delivered to them. And he did not die. Just as the Lord buried Moses, and no one knows where the body of Moses is buried, Elijah had a very similar case. He did not die, the Lord did not bury him, but the Lord sent a a flaming chariot to gather him up and take him in a whirlwind to heaven. And he was gone, out of the sight of Elisha, the prophet who would walk in the footsteps of Elijah. In a dark age, where is our prophet? Where is our lawgiver? Who do we have to shine bright in this dark age, in the end of days that has fallen upon us? Now, in these last days, we have the Son, the beloved Son of our Heavenly Father, who came veiling his glory in flesh and blood in order to win for us our eternal life. For the law had come, and in its glory we turned our faces, and yet to this day, even when we are rebuked by the law of God, we still turn our face because we realize that we are sinners in the presence of a holy God. We have not done as we should. And when we are called as Christians to consider our station in life, when we are called to prepare ourselves to confess our sins, we think about our life in accordance with the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? It's not just yes. The law doesn't come to us and we say, yes, we've broken it. But to truly examine ourselves, we must consider what we have done, what we have said, what we have left undone. How have we hurt or harmed someone by our actions or inactions? Where have we listened to the word of God and not heeded it in our daily lives? Where have we considered our own will to be better than the will of the Lord? If you take this to heart seriously, how could any of us lift our head up? How could any of us turn our eyes to see and behold Jesus on the cross? In fact, we should feel this gut-wrenching nausea to look on the image of Christ crucified. All of the law and the prophets point to Christ and point to Christ Jesus crucified. The transfiguration doesn't just happen at a random point in time. 
It was six days before that Jesus had spoken to his apostles, his disciples, saying to them that the Son of Man must be turned over and crucified. He spoke to them six days prior about what was going to happen. What was his purpose for coming? And we learn from the gospel according to St. Luke, who records this exact transfiguration. He says eight days, meaning the day that Jesus spoke, there were six days in between this day that Jesus then speaks with Moses and Elijah. But the truth is the same. It's happening at this exact time. This purposeful event where Jesus is speaking with Moses and Elijah and St. Luke records that it is Jesus speaking about his exodus. That is, he is speaking about his crucifixion. This is the turning point in the gospel that all things now are headed right here. All the law and the prophets speak the exact same thing. That this must take place. That this death of the beloved Son of God must take place if we are to dwell in the everlasting light of the glory of the eternal God. If you cannot even turn your face to look at your parents when they rebuked you, if you could not look upon the face of Moses when he just had a glimpse of the glory of God given in the law, how do you believe that you will be able to stand and look at God apart from Jesus? You can't. You can't. None of us, none of us have a hope of standing in the eternal presence in the bright glory of God without being covered, without our sins being washed away. The disciples were so afraid in that moment when the voice of heaven uttered those words because they saw what was veiled under flesh, the fullness of God's glory, the perfection of the Son. It overtook even the clothes that he was wearing so that they became bright as light. There was not a spot of impurity on him. And this reveals what we shall have, what we even possess now this day. A holy innocence and purity that is not our own, but has been delivered to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. When the disciples had bowed their heads in fear, it was when they lifted it up again that they saw Jesus only. And that makes all the difference. We come to God the Father through Christ the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God brings us into his presence to behold the living and eternal God in the one who was made to be like us. And how great it is that you and I can gather here and not be consumed by the glory of God, 
but instead be refreshed by it. We are refreshed by God's glory for he visits us and he touches us with his body and his blood in the sacrament and says, do not be afraid. I've come to give you forgiveness. This is for your salvation. And then he promises, he promises to bring us through this life this life that is so often filled with the darkness of the world, the darkness of our own sinful nature, the darkness that the devil is bringing into this place. And he brings us through it to the place where only the glory of God shines in its bright array and where we dwell in that glory, feeling its warmth and not being consumed by it. The brightness of Christ's clothing changed. The garment of purity that he is arrayed with shall also be the clothing that we shall be arrayed with. All of the law and the prophets spoke of this. Even Isaiah says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. What do we have? What do we possess this day but the fullness of God's glory in Christ? It is ours in Jesus and it shall be seen at the end when all the sons of God are revealed. And all these we shall see. Those who have come through the great tribulation who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So while at the same time our stomachs churn as we examine our life and look upon the crucifixion of our Lord that had to be because of our transgressions, our iniquity, we at the same time behold the cross of Christ which takes away the sin of the world, which takes away your sins which takes away your guilt and your shame and which purifies you as he is pure. Dear children of God, you are the holy ones of the Lord. The holy ones of the Lord have been forgiven, cleansed from all unrighteousness and have been given the purity of God. And so we now leave this place not as the impure, but as the pure ones, forgiven and holy in the Lord. We leave this place not forgetting the law and the prophets, but holding them near to our heart, listening to the words of the apostles to conform our lives, not to our own will, but to the will of the one who was crucified and dead and buried for us. We crucify our sinful flesh, we humble ourselves before the Lord. We take up our cross daily and walk with him in this holy living. We heed the words of Christ. Do battle against sin, brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not let sin rule over you, for you have been redeemed by God's grace. Take the words of the law and meditate on them day and night. Consider your place in life. 
Consider those same words which you use to examine your own sins, but now use them also to consider how you might live as the light of Christ to the world. To reflect the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who has bought and paid for you. Consider this, are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? How can you live in those stations of life and be of service to others? How can you give to them that grace which you have received? How can you encourage them when they are weak in the faith, when they are stumbling, when they are wondering what is moral and what is ethical? How can you deliver to them the truth? It is by this. You pick up your Bible And you open it. You open it and you read to them. You read to them the law and the prophets and the apostles who all bear witness to Christ. And Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you lead them. Not in this great consuming fear of God. But in this new reverent respect for the one who has come to save you and who calls you to new life. Open your Bibles and read the Old Testament and the New Testament. For all bear witness to the Son of God, who in his glory veiled in flesh came to win for us eternal life. In whose name we say, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.